One Hope Church. Check one, two. Check it, check, check. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. It's great to, great to see everybody's smiling faces this morning. All right, this morning we're going to continue in our study of 2 Samuel. And uh, this morning we will be looking at chapter 6. So if we recall from last week, um, David has now been crowned king over all the tribes of Israel. So today we get to read about one of David's first moves as king. And uh, what he decides is a good thing to do is to move the Ark of the Covenant back to, uh, to the city of David, to Jerusalem, to Zion. Great first move, right? Now, when I looked at these verses before we... Uh, I read through them because I knew I was going to be teaching this morning. My first thought was, oh, wow. Because there's, there's one of those sections in here that um, I think innately with human beings strikes us emotionally negatively, Right? Um, there's a lot of those in the Old Testament. You read a lot of things and you're like, ooh, well, that's kind of that's harsh or that's rough or that's difficult. And this is, today we're going to be reading about the story and there's more that we're going to read about. But part of it is where the ark is coming back to, is coming to Jerusalem uh, for worship and to set up uh, the, the temple and to worship God as he, as he has instructed the Israelites. And as it is going along the way, uh, one of the oxen stumbles a bit and somebody instinctively puts his hands to, to steady the ark and God gets angry and strikes him down. And your first thought when you, when you when, I mean that's a story I think that a lot of us know and the first thought when you hear something like that is wow that's, that's kind of harsh, that's difficult is, is God like that? And so, so I read that and I knew that that's what we're going over today and that made me excited because <laughs> as, as I'm as I'm getting older, I like the verse. I like to read scripture, and I like things to read things that challenge me. It's like I can read, you know, God is love. Well, fantastic. Well, you know, you know. I mean, I mean that is good, and that's an amazing thing. But that's also something that can be said superficially without it, without me having to think, without me having to study, with me out having to figure out what God intends. So actually, I read this verse, and I was like, all right, man. I, get, I look forward to looking into that and to digging into it. So today, we're going to dig into that. Let's pray one more time before we get started. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, We thank you so much that we have it so we can learn about you and what you desire. And Lord, I think every one of us knows, uh, shoot, I I know that I know that I I have a fallen nature. I know that I fall short of what you require more often than I would like. And and Lord, I need you. I need you as much as I ever did. And as a church, we want to be centered around you. As people, we want to be centered around you. And we want to please you and to make you happy and, uh, and to be the people that you want us to be. So I pray that you, would use, um, that you would use these verses that we're going to read today to help us shape our thoughts about you um, and that we would have your perspective on these things, Lord, and that you would work this morning in your, in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. So first of all, um, before we hop in and start reading, we're going to be talking about the ark. And so it's important to know, you know what the ark is. So if we recall from uh, God's chosen people, Israel, when they're led out of Egypt, miraculously, 
God invites Moses to come up the mountain to speak with him. And he gives directions for the nation, for worship, for sacrifices, the Ten Commandments, uh, instructions for the tabernacle. And part and there's a whole and this is, you know, there's a lot of intricacies and there's a lot of specifics on how God wants the people to worship him. Uh, the tabernacle was this movable place of worship uh, that the Israelites would have as they sojourned through um, to the promised land. And there's uh, a we're not going to get into all of the particulars of uh, of the tabernacle today, but you know there's altar of incense, there's the sacrifices that are made outside, there's the bread offering that's made every day, there's the holy of holies separated by the veil, and there's the ark you know, of the covenant, and that's where God is supposed to speak to the people from there, um, and He's going to be in their presence, and He's going to lead them and guide them. So it's this very important thing that has now been sadly neglected in, in the story of Jerusalem, in the story of Israel, as we're in a time now where Israel has been at war with Israel, with people outside of Israel. It's been kind of a civil war and external wars. So we're in a time period now where there's, everybody knows somebody that's died in battle. There's a lot of wives without husbands. There's a lot of mothers without sons. Um, you know, this is, not a, this is not an easy time in history for God's chosen people. People are doing, being sinful. And then also God intended for this worship to happen, to have, God, to have God at the center of what Israel does. And the ark has been sitting in somebody's house for about two decades. So no, this is not how God intended it to be. But this is a restoration that is happening right now. Um, and what's really important to know is David wanted God to be at the center of the nation and wanted to be God to be at the center of everything that he did. And so for all David's faults, and there are many, one thing that he did have right is he wanted, you know, God told him that he would be the king. He didn't force it. He waited. He sought the Lord on different, on, on different things. And we see when he seeks the Lord, things go well. When he doesn't think, seek the Lord and does things in his own power, things don't go so well. Um, but he wants God to be at the center. And that's how it's supposed to be. You know, when the, when, the, when the Israelites were going through the wilderness and they were to camp, the tabernacle was in the middle and the, the tribes would camp around it and God was the center, right? When they would go out to the next place, part of the, part of the, some of the tribes would go first, then the temple would be carried and all of the items therein, and then the rest of the tribes. God was supposed to be the center, that's not what's happening now. It's, it, the worship of God is neglected in Israel, and David, again, wants that to be the center. He has the right heart when it comes to that. Uh, if, there's a parallel chapter in Chronicles, First Chronicles, a lot of it's in chapter 13, that parallels what is happening in 2 Samuel 6. I'm going to read one of the verses of First Chronicles 13, 3. Uh, then let us bring... Uh, again, the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. So again, under Saul, worship had been neglected. Um, you know, and the Philistines had, if we remember from First uh, Samuel, the Philistines at one point had captured the ark and they took it, and then it didn't go so well for them. So they're like, get it out of here. And since that time, the ark has just been sitting in somebody's house, not being used as the not being used in worship as God had instructed, and also it has not been the place where they meet with God in order to get instructions from God. So all the things that it was intended for it has been totally neglected. So 
David's first move here is to bring back the altar to the center. Um, so we see at the start of David's reign, this is the start. He's moving the ark. During his reign, and David writes all, a lot of psalms and all this prayer, and his, his life is, uh, is marked by worship. And then at the end of the reign, his reign, he's preparing the, for the temple, the permanent fixture, where the ark would be and where worship would, would, um, would take place. So for all his faults, David did stay true to God, which made him, it made him very special. So let's go ahead and start into these verses. Let's read verses 1 through 4. Um, <clears throat> David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. That's, a, that's quite a crew, right? And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And the cherubim was part of the ark on the top. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab. Now, remember that part that it's on a new cart, which is an odd thing for, the, for uh, it to be trans- transferred on. The house of Abinadab, so this is where the ark has been sitting, in the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart uh, with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. So it's been at the house of Abinadab, and now we're taking it to, to Jerusalem. And we have Ahio in front and Uzzah on the, on the side, which turns out not to be the place that you want to be when you are uh, carting, the, uh, <coughs> carting the ark, right? And so, you know, we have, um, just to read a, a verse from Exodus 25, 22. Uh, this is talking about the ark. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of testimony, I will speak with you uh, about all that I uh, will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. So this ark is a very important piece, obviously. So let, let's continue reading. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. So we got to imagine this scene. 30,000 people that have finally all decided on a king um, who have been through rough times in, the re- in their recent history are now, 30,000 people are going with the ark back to Jerusalem. They have the sense that there's going to be a time of peace that the worship of the Lord is going to be reinstituted like it was for their, for their fathers. And they're excited. And so 30,000 people with all kinds of instruments are traveling. Big time party, right? So, I mean, I've been to a party or two in my life, right? Uh, a couple of weddings, people getting down. I, I can't Im- imagine that you've ever been to a joyous festival like 30,000 people that have been through what these people have been through, looking forward to what they're looking forward to, traveling with what they're traveling with, shaking tambourines and like all excited. This has to be like... You know, party, party of, of, of history, right? Um, verse, verse 6. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put his hand out to the ark and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. So... In the long history of human beings, there have been a whole lot of parties. 
and there have been a whole lot of party fouls. <laughs> and I think this is like the biggest party foul ever. Seriously, I mean, because you imagine, imagine the scene. 30,000 people excited. One guy touches the ark, and he falls down dead. Like, talk about like a change in just general how everybody is real quick, right? And David gets upset. I mean, we read this verse, and emotionally we're like, well, that's harsh. That's kind of... That's really harsh, right? I mean, we know, right? We know that you're not supposed to touch the ark or any of the holy things or you will die. Like, that's clear. That's in the Old Testament. Everybody here knows this, right? The the ark had been in this guy's house for many, 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 many years and he's not dead. He knows not to touch the ark, right? Um, But, I mean, this is just reflex. He turns and he touches it and God God gets angry and strikes him down dead. And then David gets upset. So let's keep reading. And uh, verse 8. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez Uzzah uh, to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but took it aside to the house of Obed Edom the Gittite. So we have this traveling party. Everybody's happy, and all of a sudden everybody's not. And now David's angry. God, how could you do this? We're having this triumphal entry, and this is for you. Why, why would you do this? Like, he's upset. And then he's also scared. It's like, if that's how this is going to be, it can't come to my place. And so, so he goes over, knock, knock, knock. Hello? Hey, Obed, you know, this is David. Oh, my king. I need you to hang on to something for me, right? Don't touch it. Kids, don't touch it. You know, I, I mean, I, that's, that's, uh, that's incredible. I mean, that's just an, incre- an incredible turn of events. Um, so what do, we, what do we do with this? The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there because, uh, because of all of this. It's just incredible. So, you know, so what was his error? Well, well, we've got we've, we have some answers in scripture. So, first of all, the Lord gave instructions on how worship was to be set up, and it seems that David's intent is to bring back the ark to set up worship to God as God had originally instructed. Right? Well, there's some instructions that go into that. One, you know, there, that the that only the Levites were supposed to were supposed to uh, 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 serve. In worship, offering sacrifices on behalf of the people, and one of and only the sons of Koath, the Kohathites, were the ones that were in the, that were, were the, supposed to be the ones that transported the holy things. So this wasn't for anybody to do. So it wasn't Uzzah's job to do anyway. But he's sitting here doing it, and he puts it on a cart. There's clear instructions in the Old Testament that they're supposed to, these things are supposed to be on a pole, and the Kohathites are supposed to carry it when they go. And so it's not even being transported how God said to transport it. So that even though some of the intent of what's going on seems to be right, they're not following the instruction of God in this. So what were the errors? So that, that's, that's one error. The second error, they're, they're putting it on a cart and carrying it on a cart. And that's exactly how the Philistines took it, and that's how the Philistines got it out of there. And we got a new cart. This isn't the Philistine cart. We'll put it on a new cart and, and cart it uh, back to, to Jerusalem. But that's not how this is supposed to happen. And, um, and also, you know, he touched the ark, and the ark is holy. There's clear that, that that's not supposed to happen. And also, I don't know how this cart works where our ark stumbles and it falls, because normally I'm used to 
carts or trailers where no matter what's pulling it happens, you know, it's not going off. But apparently this is something that could happen. And they didn't, I mean, even just on a preparation sense, hey, we're going to take it, let's put it on the cart. What if a cow stumbles? I don't know, it'll fall off. You know, I mean, there, there's a hundred things that go into this. I don't know what the whole mindset was or if they're just so excited that they didn't even think about these things. But they obviously didn't consult Scripture. And David, when he, when he takes all these people, let's go get it, he doesn't look at what God desires even in, in, in how these things are supposed to work. So, yes, God is holy. Um, and then also, you know, this does seem harsh. Like, uh, everybody in history before that had touched the ark, there were some people earlier, if we remember, that looked into the ark and they all died. So this isn't like he's singled out as the only one that's ever touched the ark and died. Like, that's how it works. Um, but it also seems kind of harsh, but this is also, we're ushering in a new era where the temple and worship of God have been neglected. God is setting up, through David, the worship in the temple as God required. And it's a bit of a new era, and, a, and it's a bit of a renewal. And we see through Scripture, there's a clear pattern of the Lord doesn't, the Lord is very, very serious and wants to make clear the seriousness of things when new uh, when new things are being set up. So there's, this is an example in the Old Testament. There's many more, but one from the New Testament. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Young church, new church. And in Jerusalem, before the believers are scattered because of the persecution, um, the Lord puts it on a lot of people's hearts to sell all their land and property and take the money and give it, uh, give it um, to the church. And this is not something that's required. There's no law that says you have to do this. You know, not even the apostles are saying, hey, folks, do this, but the, this is what's happening. And Ananias and Sapphira go and sell their property. They're like, man, that's a lot of money. We'll give part of it. And then they say, they, which they give part of it to the church, uh, to, uh, to the apostles, but they say, we've, given, we've sold this property and we've given you all. You know, they're being hypocritical. And even when Peter addresses it, he's like, it's, you, don't ha- you didn't have to give this any of it. You could have sold the land, given us part, and kept part. Perfectly fine. But you said that you're giving everything and you're not. And, well, that's a lie. That's hypocritical. And the Lord gets angry and strikes Ananias down. And a couple hours later, he strikes Sapphira down. It's like, well, man, that's incredibly harsh. Is that how God deals with people? Well, you know, we've got 2,000 years of history since then to see clearly that God doesn't look at every act of, uh, you know, sin and lie or not every act of somebody pretending to be something they're not in the church gets struck down dead. Otherwise, we would be, yeah, we would be slim pickings, right? Um, But the Lord is showing the seriousness. I mean, they are definitely made an example of for the seriousness of the new church that's being set up and everything hinges on it. The rest of salvation for all of mankind going forward, the believers in Mexico that we have now, this is 2,000 years later, all of this hinges on this work going right, right? And um, so it's, it's very important. And so the Lord here, this is really, you know, this is sad for Uzzah, but it's also important that they get this right and, and know that God is holy and everybody has the right view of God that he is holy, that he must be... Uh, that he must be um, worshipped in spirit and in truth. So we've got 30,000 30, people going out there worshipping the Lord, and they're really excited about it, but they're not doing it how he intended. So, and there's, we also see other places in the Scripture where, where, the, where large masses of people worship God according to the law, down to the jot and tittle, but their hearts aren't in it, and God, and God despises that. 
It's got to be both. It's got to be in spirit and in truth. So, you know, the one thing I was, I was thinking about when I was reading this, it was like, and this is kind of harsh, but I wonder if, like, you know, the, the uh, ox is going along. This is just a natural thought I had. Ox is going along. Did the Lord, like, trip him? So be like, see what happens to touch this? Right. I think there's no, there's, no, um, there's no indication in Scripture that God caused all of this to happen. But I think it's very, very, very fortunate for the nation of Israel that it happened. It's fortunate. And, in, and, and also for Uzzah, you know, we can, be, we can be sad for him, but also it seems that Uzzah, he was from a house that took, that kept and preserved the ark. He's with a bunch of people that are celebrating that the worship's going to start again. He obviously is ignorant of Scripture or has disregarded it, one or the other. But he seems to be somebody whose heart is probably for the Lord. So this might not, this, I, would, I mean, I don't know 100% because I'm not the Lord, but I would think that he was taken out because God was angry, and then he's in paradise anyway, right? So even though that's really sad news here on the earth, it's also very important for David. It's very important for Israel to get the picture. God is a holy God, and just because you want to serve him and do what's right, you still have to do it his way. I think that's very important for us to understand today, too. Yes, Lord, I want to worship you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. Great. Are you doing it your way or are you doing it my way? And that's a hard thing to come to grips with, right? And that's something that we need to seek the Lord with um, and also to look to Scripture. Um, so let's continue. Well, and another, th- another thing, too. David was, was bringing the ark back, you know, and all of, the whole thrust of his life was to have God at the center. That's also the thrust of what God wanted for Israel. He wanted to be at the center of them. And, you know... We've talked about, um, you know, you've seen the wristbands like, I am second. I'm not, not dogging those. But I've heard Chet say before, you know, talk about, like, it shouldn't be I am second because it should be like God first, then, you know, family, church, all these other things that are more, then I should be slightly down the road. I, th- I think there's another way to look at it, too. I was thinking after, after reading these verses is, and looking in the Old Testament and the picture of the temple, not just that these things are all separate, right? Like God's first, and then separate there's this, separate there's this. God wants to be at the center of all of those things, right? He wants to be at the center of my life and the center of your life, and everything revolves around that. So when we're doing church, it's not, well, that's below God. It's, is God at the center of how we do church? When you're doing family, is God at the center of, of your family? All the different things in your life, God wants to be the center of it. We sing the song, Jesus Be the Center. And what David did have right is that was his desire, but also to have that right, you've got to do, you have to have the desire, but then also you have to do it in spirit and in truth. Um, so let's continue. Verse 11. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household, and it was told to King David, uh, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David, you know, David has the same emotional response that we have when we, when we, when we hear this. Man, this is, not, this is not cool. I can't have this around me. You know, and so the ark is at Obed-Edom, but the ark is not a curse. The presence of God is not a curse. It's a blessing. It doesn't say what type of blessing, but this is the house of Obed-Edom. And back then when it says the house, it's not like everybody's living in neighborhoods. This is like, you know, this is Obed-Edom, his kids, his grandkids, 
you know, their livestock, their flocks, their servants, or whatever, however it happens, I mean, every, everything that's involved there, right? So it doesn't say what happened, but maybe all their goats had triplets like the next month. You know, who know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we don't know. But, every, but God blessed them. Uh, uh, God was blessing them. And then so David says, okay, you know, I want that blessing for me and I want that blessing for Israel. So verse 12, so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And then those who bore, here we go, those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone, yeah, had gone six steps. He sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Um, so David and the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shout, shouting and with the sound of a horn. So there's a lot more that uh, there's a lot more involved when we read the account from First Chronicles. I'll just read a few verses here from eleven through fifteen. First Chronicles fifteen eleven through fifteen. Here's the difference. Then David summoned the priests Zadok and Abathar. Uh, and the Levites, Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Abinadab, and said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. Verse 13, this is key. Because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us, because we did not seek him according to the rule. Verse 14, so the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, uh, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of God. So the important takeaway here is, you know, David was really upset with God the first time when he went back and thought about it. He read the scriptures which they would have had from, from Moses and said, well, we didn't do this the right way. And so he goes and he, he, gets and he talks to the priests, and they decide to move the, um, move the ark the way that the Lord had told them to move the ark. So that's the, that's the important takeaway here. And it's awesome. David danced before the Lord with all his might. So it's still a party. So like last time it was a party, didn't go out so well, but now they're rejoicing. They realize, David realizes, look, God has still blessed the people that have had the ark. This is really my fault because I did not consult the Lord. This is another time when he didn't say, "Lord, what would you have me do?" He just did what he knew. What, he did what he knew was the right thing, but he did it in his own power, without seeking the Lord. And so he read Scripture, did it the right way, and now he's also now he's again worshiping the Lord, and he's excited, and he's wearing a linen ephod. So he takes what is it? That, that's the undergarment. So he's a king. Um, Kings wear big fancy clothes, and especially in this time. Um, and if you're going to dance, wearing big fancy clothes is not, you know, not generally the easiest thing. And we'll and we'll see here. Um, well, let's continue reading here, verse uh, 16. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So, she sees David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despises him in her heart. Now, in Michael's defense, you know, she's been through quite a lot. She's now part of a harem, you know, which 
sure it's not the most fun thing. She also had been married to David before, helped David escape when they were going to try to kill David. Then she gets another husband, and David becomes king and calls for her, and Abinadab rips, rips her from her husband's arm, and her husband is like, please don't take her, please don't take her. But now back in David's house. Um, so we don't know her emotional state as far as all this goes anyway, but she was also in the household with David as he reigned for, for many years. So it's not, like, it's not like she's just to the place. I mean, she's been with him now for many years. And now David has more wives and his house has increased. She probably has some prominence as the, as the oldest. And she's also probably very, very well respected. Some of this is uh, speculation because we don't really know. But she's probably very well respected. And she's also the son of Saul, right? She knows what a king looks like. She knows how a king acts. She knows when a king walks into the room what people do. She also knows the king doesn't take his clothes off and dance like an idiot, right? She, that, she knows that. And... Um, and she sees David worshiping, and he's in a linen ephod. So I don't know, if there, I don't know exactly how the parallels work, because I'm not going to uh, pretend to know everything about the culture at the time. But I'm trying to imagine who's the most important person we can think of. Imagine a president. You can pick a president past if you don't want to pick a president, president. Imagine him at 37 years old, new king of, or new president of the entire United States, and there's a big party, and everybody's excited. And it's official. It's an official party. Everybody's here. And instead of him being kingly, takes off the tie, takes buttons down the shirt, he's wearing an A shirt, a little bit of chest hair poking out, and he's out there dancing. And he's, but, this, but the difference is David is dancing before the Lord, but he's not looking kingly. He's not looking respectable. Anybody that wants a strong king and a leader and wants to come out and be like, that is a leader, they're not going to look at this, how he's acting and being like, I'm, I'm following that guy. But it doesn't matter because he's following the Lord. He's doing what's right. So Michael despised him in her heart. Verse 17, and they brought the ark, of the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So, and it seems like, too, um, from the trip, we, we see more in Chronicles, from the trip that's made, it's a fairly short trip from where the, uh, from where the, uh, Ark had been, but they're making sac- they had choreographed to have sacrifices before the Lord as the Ark is going. It gets to Israel, and like there's there's so much sacrificing going on. You can go read in, in Second Chronicles fifteen and sixteen the account, but there's a lot of sacrificing going on, and um, so there there's um, you know we we have uh, peace offerings, burnt offerings, and all these types of things going on before the Lord. And then also at this time, David penned Psalm... And also at this time, a couple things happened. So the worship of the Lord commences for Israel in how, it's, how God intended for this time and place. And David appoints uh, some Levites to serve in the tabernacle continually from this point on. So this worship is not a one-time thing. It's going to continue. And he sets up Asaph and his brothers who end up being some of the psalm writers. You read through Psalms, the Psalm of Asaph. That's after Asaph is set up as one of the priests to continually minister before the Lord in the tabernacle. And then also David uh, penned Psalm 105, which is recorded in 1 Chronicles uh, 16, verse 11, but it's also obviously in Psalm 105. I'm going to just read to you verse 4. Seek the Lord and His strength. Think, seek His presence continually. And that was the heart of David. He wanted to seek the presence of the Lord continually. Continually, uh, the God is worthy of sacrifice of a, of a contrite heart. Uh, verse eighteen. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of Hosts and distributed among all the people 
the whole number of Israel, multitude of Israel, which is quite a bit, quite a few, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. Now there's a lot of people, and every single person is taking some food back home. They're all they've all got leftovers after worship uh, uh, to go home. And where, where did this, all this food come from? Because that's a lot of food. Well, this is part of the sacrifices that were happening. So there were burnt offerings, and the burnt offering is everything is burned up. You put a, if you're offering an animal, the entire thing is burnt, off, they burnt up. But they also have peace offerings that we see in the Old Testament. The part that is actually burnt up is the stuff you don't want. It's like entrails and fat and those types of things. But the food is set aside for the priests, and then here also for the people. And then this is distributed. So everybody worships the Lord. And this is a beginning of continual worship that will happen before the Lord in Israel. And then they also all get to go home filled. And um, I think that's pretty, just kind of a neat picture there. You know, for those that genuinely worship the Lord in spirit and in truth will be filled. You know, that's God desires to, to fill us with His, with his uh, presence. It's a little different, but it's an encouraging thought. And so David has this awesome time. So Huge, again, huge march of people bringing the ark back. The ark is set up. Now we're going to have, um, now we're going to have this time of, of worship that will be continual. Um, and David uh, returns uh, home. Oh, well, real quick too. He, you know, he, um, let's read verse 18. And when he uh, finished the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people of the Lord and distributed among his people. So he also does a bit of something that's almost like a priest himself. Like, I don't know, he's blessing the people. You know, they're going home with food, but David is offering a blessing to the people, which is interesting. I wonder if it was kind of like the ironic uh, blessing in Numbers 6, uh, 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I don't know, but he blesses the people. And then after that, he turns to go home to bless his own house. And that's where we are in verse 20. And David returned to bless his house off of this huge high, if, if you can imagine. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came to meet David. So David's like, I blessed Israel. I'm going to go bless my house. The Lord is doing these awesome things. He's walking home, and his first wife walks out the door to meet him. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, and honored is obviously used in, you know, as a joke. Uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, like the lowest servants, right? As one of the vulgar, vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And, and I don't think David, I don't know if David was anticipating that on his way home to, to bless his family. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his people to appoint me as prince over Egypt, the people of the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. And so he's saying, I, look, I didn't, just, I didn't just take stuff off and dance around um, to impress people. That wasn't what this is about. This wasn't before the servants. This was before the Lord that I, that I was celebrating and worshiping. And verse 22, I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But the female servants of whom you have spoken by them, I shall be held in honor. Uh, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children 
to the day of her death. So I think had no children to the day of her death, I think from that point they become estranged. You know, she, she comes out and says this to him, and he, and he says that to her, and he's speaking the truth. But I think at that point on, um, they're, 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 they, uh, the rest of their lives are a bit estranged from each other, even in their own house. But, it, but Jesus is, I mean, excuse me, but David is clear. This is before the Lord, not before people. Uh, and he says, I'm going to make myself even more contemptible than this. He's not looking for people to say, what a king. That's what we want in a king. That's it right there. Look at how respectable that guy is or how, how strong that guy is. He's not interested in that. David's heart and his intention is not to raise himself, but to raise the name of God. And, um, and, he's, and here he is despised for it by his, by his own wife. Now, I think that is, um, I think that's something for us to take to heart, right? There's going to be times in your life where you're going to be despised by somebody because of, if you're, if you are truly seeking the Lord and not seeking uh, your, your own recognition, there'll be people that despise you for that, you know? It's, it's, um, that should not be the way that it is, but it, it can happen. And th- those verses kind of reminded me of some things in the New Testament. Um, it reminded me of Jesus' words to Simon regarding the sinful woman and then with the alabaster jar, the flask of ointment. You read that from Luke 7, verse 47 through, 44 through 47. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But, who, uh, but he who is uh, given little, forgiven little, loves little. Excuse me. So... You know, David has the right view of himself before the Lord, just like that woman did before Jesus. Is that, you know, trying to make yourself look better for other people's sake or for your own sake, that means that's of little consequence, right, of no consequence. We need to have lives um, that seek to put God at the center where he deserves to be. And when God's at the center, everything works out correctly, right? And if we just, and if we just, I think the biggest takeaways from these verses are, you know, you can just, you can try to serve the Lord even in your own strength, not seeking Him and how He would have it be done, and you can fall into error, or you can seek the Lord as He desires to to be sought in spirit and in truth, and um, and and be blessed because of it, right? Um, so put God at the center. Seek Scripture to know what God desires, right? We, we, can't, we can't make excuses for ourselves to not know what God desires. We need to seek Scripture. Um, and also, you know, for us in the New Testament, we need to, to raise Jesus up. You know, think about uh, um, John the Baptist and John 3.30, I must decrease, God must increase. It seems like that's the heart of David. That's the heart of John the Baptist. That's, that's what our heart needs to be. Um, those are my takeaways from this morning. Um, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for these verses that we got to look through this morning. And I thank you so much for 
having these recorded for us so we can learn about you and about what you desire. And Lord, help us to have hearts that desire to put you first, that desire to put you at the center. Um, I, I know in my own life that's not, that's not, the, that's not a natural desire, Lord. I, I desire to, to do things that I enjoy. I desire to look good in people's eyes. I desire to, to look impressive. And those are not desires that are from you, Lord. Help me to seek you and to put you at the center of everything, Lord, that you would be at the center of my family. Pray for this church, that you would be at the center of this church. And for everybody that walks out of here this morning, Lord, that you would be at the center of each life. And um, so we pray for more desire to know you, that we would genuinely seek you, that we would want to know you, that we would want to walk with you. And even in that, Lord, Teach us how to do that, what you desire from us in that. That we wouldn't do it in our own strength um, in, in order to attain something that we can brag about, but that we would serve you for you. That be, we would be your hands and feet um, for you. Um, that we would worship you for you and not for ourselves, Lord. Um, I thank you for all the amazing blessings that come along with putting you in the center. Um, And we pray for this time that we have um, to worship you, that you would continue to work in our hearts um, as we remember Jesus, uh, that you would help our hearts to just overflow with gratitude for what you have done for us, Lord, that we can be free from sin and death. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Um, And, Lord, help us to worship you and to seek you and to follow you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.